eavesdropping is welcome on the desert's best conversations with Charlie Dyer. It wasn't all that long ago that what we now think of as the gig economy didn't even exist. And yet the granddaddy of disruption is not only a household brand, Uber has become synonymous with all forms of ride sharing or ride hailing, whatever you want to call it. So ordering an Uber, a Lyft, or even a completely different service that's not even a ride share service is an Uber. Just as brands like Kleenex are what people say instead of facial tissue, for better or for worse, Uber is the face of the gig economy and remains the largest rideshare company in the United States, recruiting and signing up tens of thousands of drivers every month, but leaving them to largely fend for themselves, all just floundering out there. What do I do? What do I do? So our guest today continues to be one of the voices in the wilderness, trying to help people along the path to becoming a successful rideshare driver. So our guest today on Conversations with Charlie Dyer here on iHub Radio is Harry Campbell. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Well, the book is The Ride Chair Guide, everything you need to know about driving for Uber, Lyft, and other ride-sharing companies. Harry started driving for Uber and Lyft in his spare time just four years ago while he was working as an aerospace engineer for Boeing here in Southern California. That's a very similar tale of lots of ride-share drivers. While I was doing this other thing that had nothing to do with driving, and now I'm a ride-share driver. Well, that same year, he started blogging about his experience, and eventually he quit his job at Boeing to focus on the blog full-time. It's called the Rideshare Guy blog. He's got a YouTube channel, a podcast, video training course, and he's reached literally hundreds of thousands of drivers every single month for years now. And he has a whole staff there at the Rideshare Guy. Uh, You know, and and these people, we got to give them some props. They're really good writers, Harry. (laughs) You've been featured also in the New York Times, Bloomberg, Wired, and CNN, among other publications. And the website for the blog, TheRideshareGuy.com. Well, we need to start with a full disclosure here. I am a rideshare driver on the side and uh, have been doing this not that much um, different than Harry. So Harry got into this a little bit before I did, and uh, it was not, um, it was still sort of new here out in the Coachella Valley at the time when I st- signed up, and Harry's blog was still pretty new at that time, but as I've told him before, and I'll say it here on the air too, without him, I probably would have quit because he really was a voice in the wilderness there to make me feel like I wasn't alone and that I really had somewhere to turn on the Rideshare Guy blog for some information and some advice and some opinion. And it really was a welcome thing to be there. So uh, I want to put that out there first and foremost, that we both Harry and I are both rideshare drivers. So we're sort of talking inside the inside the club a little bit here. Sounds like I've done a lot. So hopefully I can live up to all the expectations and provide some uh, valuable insight right now on our interview. <laughs> well, I think you have over the years. I know you're very humble about that, but you, you, you really have. I mean, it's a job for you, of course, but you have um, a goal in mind. And that part of that goal is to help people, isn't it, Harry? You know, this is my full-time business. So obviously, uh, you know, I would say putting food and shelter around my family is my primary objective, but I don't think it ever has to be all or nothing, right? You do not ever have to do something just for the money or just because you only want to help people and not make any money doing it. I think that I've struck a really nice balance between, you know, finding a business that's been profitable. I've been able to hire people and pay people, which is a cool feeling in addition to, you know, earnings for myself. But also at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I was really touched by your comment 
sense just because, you know, I was, I've been very surprised up until this point in my journey as a blogger and now author and that content people are very grateful and very thankful just for providing quality information. And I think that's one of the things that I love so much about what I do is that, you know, there are a lot of people out there driving for Uber and Lyft and they're struggling or they're not able to figure things out. And, you know, I kind of come in and use my experience in driving and talking to tens of thousands of drivers over the year really just to help them and provide that support. And people are very thankful. And I guess selfishly, it definitely feels good to help other people. So that's sort of what I, what I love most about what I'm doing. And then of course, you know, we're able to create really unique and interesting content based off the actual experience of going out and driving for Uber and Lyft and pretty much any other service under the sun. Well, Harry, put yourself back there four years ago and this Uber thing was still pretty new. And yeah, it was in San Francisco and it was in some big cities and you were an aerospace engineer, which is a really good job (laughs) at (laughs) Boeing. And you thought to yourself, hmm, maybe I should do this on the side. So take us there to that time. Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, probably uh, a few of my coworkers might have even made fun of me when uh, when I told them I was driving for Uber on the side. But I mean, really, you know, I think w- the way I've sort of always approached everything in life is, you know, if something seems interesting or if there seems like there's a potential business opportunity or just seems like something new and exciting, you know, I'm always up for trying it out. And at the time, I had been taking Uber and Lyft as a passenger here and there and, you know, talking to drivers about what their experience was like. But for me, you know, I kind of did my, my due diligence, my research. I talked to a few drivers, probably Googled, uh, you know, a topic or two and didn't find anything. (laughs) That's a little foreshadowing of Mm -hmm. what was to come. But, uh, you know, and I decided to sign up and really just try it out and see what it was like to drive people around. Of course, you know, I was hearing from people that saying they were making a ton and I was hearing from some that said they weren't. So I wanted to see, you know, what my experience would be like. And, you know, that's really kind of how I got started. It was very casually driving after work some nights. And then on, on Friday started, ended up realizing that, Hey, you can make a ton of money on Friday, Saturday nights and big events. And, you know, the pay has come down over the years as there's more, you know, there's now millions of drivers around the world. So sort of basic supply and demand, Uber pays their drivers less these days. But, you know, when I first got started four years ago, I mean, I was making more per hour uh, than I was at my day job. And obviously this was limited hours. I mean, I was only driving five or 10 hours a week, but I was an engineer. So I was making spreadsheets of all my earnings and saying, hey, you know, I'm making 30, sometimes $40 an hour. This is a a pretty good gig, at least for right now. And, you know, that's kind of what I tried to document. Well, Harry, how important do you think the entrepreneurial spirit was for for you as somebody who, again, was in a very established corporation to, to not only just try ride sharing, but then you decided, hey, I'm going to do this blog. And then eventually it became a full time career for you. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd say that there's sort of two components there. You know, with with a lot of these services, I think there's a benefit to being the guinea pig, right? If you're willing to go out there and figure things out and try things out and be one of the first to do it. And, you know, your experience with Uber and Lyft, right? When when these services were first popping up, it was sort of weird, right? People were making fun of me and I'm telling them, no, hey, look, I'm literally making $45 an hour, (laughs) you know, driving (laughs) drunk people around on Friday, Saturday nights. And this job is pretty fun. Uh, You know, so I think if you have that mentality that you're willing to experiment and, you know, not everything is going to turn out to be uh, a great experience like that. But I think if you kind of weigh the the pros and the cons, and for me, you know, really the downside was just maybe a few hours of wasted time where I would have been watching TV otherwise. So there wasn't a lot of downside for me. And I think that entrepreneurial mindset 
of trying new things and just always being aware for opportunities can really benefit you. And, you know, this is something we can talk about later, but I mean, I've kept my eye on a few of these startups here in Los Angeles that are now exploding. One is called Bird and they're uh, sort of a a personal mobility solution that allow for consumers to drive little electrified scooters around as a sort of like a razor scooter, but electric. And they hire a bunch of gig workers to charge them every night. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of similarities between when Uber and Lyft were, you know, first around and there's a ton of money to be made and a ton of opportunity, but it's sort of a weird, uh, you know, kind of interesting job. So I think definitely that entrepreneurial mindset helps there. And then, you know, as far as starting the site and transitioning to, you know, being, I guess, a full-time blogger, and really, you know, obviously we do more than the blog, but I think, uh, you know, having that entrepreneurial mindset there is huge because I think kind of, you know, I don't know for me, uh, or making money or sort of, you know, building revenue streams has actually been the easy part for me. I think it's more about getting to the point where you have enough people following you, or if you recommend a good product for drivers, you have enough people that are going to go out and buy it and you make your commission off of it. So I think that's really been the challenge and, you know, where a lot of people struggle when they're trying to build an audience. It's, it's sort of about, uh, getting over that hump and getting to the point where you have the credibility, you have the expertise or you have the experience experience, uh, that, you know, not only, uh, you know, what you can say, what you want to say, but also people will listen to you and trust and value your opinion. Harry Campbell is our guest here on Conversations with Charlie Dyer on iHub Radio. The book is The Rideshare Guide, everything you need to know about driving for Uber, Lyft, and other ride-sharing companies. His blog is therideshareguy.com, and it is one of those things that we need to refill the driver pool all the time. (laughs) Uber and Lyft are really large, and the average person on the street does not realize how many drivers are driving at one time somewhere in the United States. So give us an idea of how big Uber and Lyft are currently in the United States and how many drivers they're recruiting on an ongoing basis every month. Sure. So, I mean, Uber and Lyft are still private companies, so we don't know all of the detailed metrics, but they do release some pretty interesting figures from time to time. And I think probably the best uh, guess or estimate that I would make right now, sort of based off certain numbers that they've released in studies and in the media and the news is that they probably have, Uber probably has about one to 1.5 million drivers in the U.S. right now and close to 3 million around the world. And Lyft, which primarily operates in the United States, they say that they have around uh, 700,000 drivers. you know, it is important to keep in mind that a lot of drivers do both Uber and Lyft. So there's going to be some, uh, you know, sort of crossover there, but they're basically safe to say there are a lot of people doing it for an industry that literally did not exist, you know, 10 years ago, (laughs) there's now millions of people doing it. And, uh, you know, but one of the unfortunate things and really one of the reasons why I started my site and ended up writing a book about the topic is that, you know, you mentioned it earlier, a lot of drivers start and they don't know what they're doing and they need help and they don't know how to do their taxes. They don't know what they need to do for insurance and they don't even know how to pick up passengers or how to deal with customer, basic customer service type issues. And so a lot of drivers uh, that don't know that there are resources or sites like mine or other YouTube channels out there, uh, you know, they sort of flounder and a lot of them end up quitting. Uh, I think Uber has announced that uh, close to 60 or 70 percent of drivers actually quit after just six months. And, and so that's they a, are hiring. That's a big number. 
that, that's a, that's a, that's not a great number if you're Uber or Lyft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people come in expecting higher earnings and you know struggle, and uh, so there there's a ton of variability though with the experience. And you know, I should say that these drivers are all independent contractors, so it's not like your typical service job, right? If you go and work at Starbucks tomorrow, everyone might start off at fifteen dollars an hour. Everyone will start off at the same you know hourly rate, and um, but with Uber and Lyft, there's variability based on where you drive and when you drive and even how much experience you have as a driver. The better the driver you are, the more money you make. And, you know, we've seen that in survey data that we've done and everything. So definitely once you start to uh, unwrap the whole uh, driving gig, it gets to be a little more complex than it may seem. And tens of thousands of people are signing up every single month if my math is is kind of correct there yeah, all, all tens, over tens the of thousands of people are quitting and tens of thousands of people are signing up and you know that's the thing for me the you know it's good and bad i mean i uh you know i i very much uh deve- like developing relationships with my audience but you know if a lot of them are end up quitting you know i probably won't ever hear from them again we we've got 55,000 people on our email list but i think we've also probably got close to 15 or 20,000 people who have unsubscribed and uh you know from what what i what i assume it's not because they hate me or they don't like my content because they're, you know, they're no longer driving for Uber and Lyft and, you know, they've moved on to bigger and better opportunities maybe, or different opportunities. So, you know, I don't know that it's a, a, a great thing or a bad thing, but I do, th- I do still think that it's a interesting work opportunity and some very unique aspects, as you know, about driving for Uber and Lyft and really just working in the gig economy in general. Some people are able to take advantage of it and, you know, for others, it's not a great fit and that's fine. Harry knows as well as I do. There are little uh, little clues that you can uh, use as you drive around as uh, a driver to identify yeah, other definitely. drivers. Just talking to folks about, oh, you know, did you used to be a driver and where were you a driver? Yeah. And all those stories are just unbelievably fascinating. And I'm sure all of that went into uh, beyond the nuts and bolts of like you do this for your insurance yeah. and you do this for that. The, the, all that has rolled into your new book to really help people get an idea of the broad spectrum of this isn't just about driving. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, right, driving for hire, it's not rocket science. <laughs> and I, I guess I used to be a rocket scientist, so I can sort of say that. <laughs> but this isn't the toughest job in the world, but it is a little more complex than it looks, right? I mean, it's the ultimate combination of uh, safe driving, you know, navigating with an app, customer service, and even dealing with drunk people, right? Not everyone is accustomed to that. Not everyone has experience with that and even running your own business. So I think that for a lot of people, they, they, they come in with a little bit different different expectations and there is that variability. But at the end of the day, this isn't the toughest job in the world. A lot of people can go out and uh, figure it out. And, you know, that's definitely what uh, what my book is is there to do. And like you said, it's not just a, a how to guide because, you know, when I when I was writing this, that would have been boring for me to just write. Here's how you sign up for Uber. Here's how you do this. I kind of wanted to make it interesting for myself. So sort of peppered throughout uh, the book, you know, we've got a lot of interesting anecdotes, interesting stories, you know, ways that drivers have transitioned out of Uber and Lyft. Uh, you know, we, we feature a company in there um, called Maestro that allows drivers to drive for both Uber and Lyft. And the founder was an Uber driver, for example, and he actually found his first investor while he was driving for Uber in San Francisco. Good and, for you know, him. That's obviously... 
that's not the norm, but I mean, those types of situations do happen and you do have some really interesting conversations and that's sort of what I, what I wanted to highlight for sure in the book that, you know, it can be really as much as you, as you make it to be or want it to be. Well, I often tell people, uh, in life in general, when the universe knocks, you need to answer the door. And sometimes those opportunities are sitting in the seat beside you or behind you in the seemingly innocuous ride that you're going from a bar to their hotel. And, uh, if you prick, you know, open your ears and just engage with people. I mean, I think that might be one of the reasons why I personally decided to start driving is that I found my uh, my own internal world needed some expanding and I wanted to talk to people a little bit more. And I knew that this would be one way that it might be an interesting thing to do and of course make money at the same time. And it has. It has been an unbelievably uh, diverse array of people being in a tourist town in the, in co- the Coachella yeah. Valley that have uh, sat in my seat some 4,000 or so rides because I'm just a part-time driver. And that has um, made me, uh, I think, a better person and also a better listener. Yeah, I have to definitely agree. And I mean, there's so many, honestly, I'm a little biased, I guess, but there's so many different, uh, you know, kind of what I call ancillary benefits to being a rideshare driver. I mean, at the end of the day, right, most of people are doing it because they need money, they need to make money. But I think when you really start looking at it holistically, you do see that you have this opportunity now to engage in a lot of thoughtful conversations. If you're in a tourist town to talk to a bunch of people, I mean, I remember uh, still that I had a, a passenger from Iran and he kind of corrected me on the correct pronunciation of how you, I was calling it Iran. And he was saying, oh, no, this is how you actually pr- uh, correctly pronounce it. It's, you know, Iranian people, Iranian people. And so now, you know, every time I meet someone from uh, the country of Iran, <laughs> you know, say I almost messed it up. But, uh, you know, I sort of know that. Right. And that's kind of a small example. But those are very additive. And there's so many countless examples uh, like that that I've kind of experienced firsthand as a driver and also just very cool stories and interesting things that have happened, uh, you know, for other drivers. And like you said, in addition, you actually get paid for doing all of this too. So it's kind of a cool gig. Harry, talk about the importance of setting goals when you are approaching this as a somebody that's new to you. You know, this is a new thing. You don't really know what you're doing. But that seems to be one of the things I think that is the first thing that you should do is figure out what your goal is. Goals are definitely important and sort of understanding, you know, I guess with anything in life, sort of understanding, you know, what your goals are for the specific situation. I think most people come into, you know, driving for Uber and Lyft for hire or, you know, really any work in the gig economy, their goals are sort of more short term in nature. They're thinking, okay, I need money. Um, I have bills to pay. I have a vacation coming up. I need, I have social security, but it's not quite enough and I need something to top it off. And I think if you kind of understand how your short term goals fit into your long term goals, I mean, if you're looking at Uber and Lyft, for example, if your long term is to get a career, uh, you know, as an Uber or Lyft driver, I would probably caution and hesitate that, you know, this may not be the best career uh, move that you can make if you're looking to drive full time forever. I mean, I totally understand that there are a lot of people out there driving full time and, you know, maybe they got laid off or maybe they need something temporary or summers only. And in that situation, it can be a great full time gig. But if you're sort of looking at it from a traditional work perspective and looking to, you know, build your resume and, you know, 
you know, kind of move up in the company, there's not going to be nearly as much opportunity for that. So I think kind of understanding how uh, your long term goals balance with your short term goals when it comes to driving and, you know, really just kind of keeping that uh, in your mind, because there are plenty of drivers who are out there uh, doing it full time right now, but maybe have, you know, so it's, it's so that they can pursue their other passion or so it's so they can pursue uh, schooling. I mean, one of the guys writing for me right now, his name is Jay. He's in San Francisco. He's driving for Uber and Lyft in San Francisco and making very good money because San Francisco is very profitable as a driver, expensive city, but you know, you can make a lot as a driver and he's working in the meantime on building his online business. And that's sort of what he wants his full-time thing to be. And he wants to uh, do more coaching and things like that. So, you know, I think you can definitely see that it's a, you know, it allows him that flexibility, but he also has a longer term goal or plan in mind. And we certainly can't talk about uh, the elephant in the room that is uh, the, the longevity of these companies without mentioning <laughs> aut- <laughs> autonomous cars, which, of course, Uber and Lyft would make you have you believe they're going to be on the road tomorrow. And uh, regardless of uh, regulators and, again, the, the sort of the vagaries of all sorts of things in the world, what is the reality, do you think? Because you're pretty close to yeah. uh, the the companies here as somebody who has been writing and really is allowed access. Let's just say that to all sorts of folks who are employees at Uber and Lyft, how close are we really to autonomous cars, even just being introduced, much less taking over the fleet? When I was writing the book, I really wanted to make it something that was, uh, you know, not just interesting to drivers, but, you know, I've, I've gotten great feedback from just people in, in the transportation and rideshare industry in general and just people that were looking to learn about the industry from that perspective of the driver. So that's sort of been a cool thing uh, to have. But, you know, as far as the self-driving cars, I mean, I think that, you know, looking forward, uh, the, the, I'm not a self-driving car expert, but I am an expert on what it takes to be an Uber or Lyft driver. And I think when you combine sort of the autonomy aspect, the actual self-driving car with all of the logistics and all of the you know, sort of issues that drivers that, that right now is a very manual process. I mean, finding your passenger and dropping them off, that's the hardest part of the gig. Um, you know, passengers want to be picked up in usually illegal, certain air, illegal areas, as you know, or they want to be dropped off in red zones or, you know, they're not where they say they are. Right. And there are a lot of systems that are going to have to be built for all of that on top of the actual self-driving, uh, you know, car component. And so, I think the experts on self-driving probably uh, all disagree, but I think it seems like the timeline, you know, is five to 10 years, uh, maybe even up to 20 years away. But I think beyond that, you're also going to have to see a lot of those extra or additional layers of systems built into place because right now, you know, driving for Uber and Lyft uh, out just outside of driving period, there's a lot of human involvement uh, that happens. And I think that's what I just wrote a piece the other day for courts, you know, sort of what drivers think about self-driving cars and overwhelming, you know, I think a lot of drivers feel that most people are underestimating just, you know, how much work it is, uh, you know, kind of that goes into driving for Uber and Lyft, you know, not actual driving part. Well, Harry Campbell is our guest today on Conversations with Charlie Dyer. The book is The Rideshare Guide. There's literally nothing out there like this. Everything you need to know about driving for Uber, Lyft and other ride sharing companies. And I would have to say it's really beneficial for anybody who is thinking about being, say, a Postmates driver or any sort of other kind of gig economy thing you want to work for, they would really benefit from a lot of the nuts and bolts that you've included in this book, Harry. So thank you so much for writing it. The website is therideshareguy.com. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me on. Great conversation. 